Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the How to Trade It podcast. We talk about the real stories behind successful traders. You will learn the strategies that the best traders use in today's markets. And we get those experts to show us how to trade it. Hey everyone, this is Casey Stubbs and we're here on the next episode of the How to Trade a Podcast and today I'm with Greg Michalowski from Forex Live and he is the Director of Education and Technical Analyst there as well as the author of Attacking Currency Trends. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. You messed up my name, Casey, but that's okay. It's a funny thing. When you put 11 letters together in one thing, it comes hard to do. My dad was Joe Michael Oski is the way he said it. You know, he would introduce himself that way and then they would say, oh, nice to meet you, Michael. And so, you know, it becomes sort of a joke of the family. We kind of shorten our names to my dad was Joe Mike. I was Greg Mike. My son's name is Brian. He's B Mike. But don't worry about it. We got through that hurdle. We're ready to go from here. <laughs> uh, I practiced a little bit. I should have done a little more. But yeah, thanks for the pass on that one. No problem. So, Greg, right now you're the uh, Director of Education and Technical Analyst. Tell me a little bit about that and what that means. Okay, I work uh, for ForexLive.com. We're one of the leading sites, if you will, for Forex and market traders really in the uh, globally. And so I am the, my focus is mainly on technical analysis. I also do a lot of trader education along the way, but we have a team of four of us. Adam Button is our main fundamental analysis. And then we have Eamon Sheridan. He's in Australia, takes care of the Far East market. And Justin is in London. He takes care of the London market. And I take care of a lot of the technical analysis and education. So I've been there for about six years. Love it. Allow an opportunity to not only provide market insight on a daily basis from that technical perspective, but also apply some of the stuff that I've learned through my numerous years in the market in educating traders. I want to make them better traders. So then what's the primary way that someone would benefit from that? Is that going to your website and then looking at the daily updates? One way that I do it, and I've been doing it for many years, is that I've, I just follow you guys on Twitter. Right. I follow Forex Live. I follow you. I follow a lot of guys. And you guys are really doing a good job of posting updates as the day goes on. Sure. We try to keep things as updated as possible as the news comes out. So if at ForexLive.com, if you go there, you'll see the economic releases come out, a little bit of analysis that goes along with that. And then from a technical perspective, I'll sit there and post charts up. Uh, do it very simply. I try to do things simply. I try to be very consistent in what I do, how I do it. And we do that as a team as well. And we just try to make things as simple, as easy to understand for traders, but in a timely basis. The focus that we have is like being on time and what we can provide out there and allowing traders to then take it and run with it along the way. So ForexLive.com, on Twitter, 
as well. Again, Forex Live. We have a bunch of videos on YouTube as well under Forex Live as well for educational purposes and such. So those are sort of the three main places that you find information from our firm. So right now you're primarily focused on the currencies and educating people in the Forex market. Have you always been mainly focused in currencies? When did you start currency trading? Did you trade anything before that? All right. Well, uh, that's an interesting question because I like to look at my career in sort of three buckets. And this is important from trader education point as well. And the first bucket, when I got out of college, I got a job at uh, Citibank, Citibank in New York. And at that time, I was in the interest rate market in the treasury department. We funded the bank's loan portfolios. So it's a huge undertaking. And at the time, they were interested in utilizing off-balance sheet instruments like uh, futures and interest rate swaps and FRAs to lower the cost of the funding of their portfolio. So my initial trading acumen, if you will, and risk-taking was on the interest rate side. And from Citibank, New York, I worked there for about six years. And then I spent four years, I got transferred to London and worked four years there. And I started to make markets in uh, what are called forward rate agreements. They're short-term interest rate products and interest rate swaps going out to maybe two to three years and one year, two, three year type of spectrum. So again, it was in the interest rate trading area that I really learned about trading mainly. From there, I went to Credit Suisse First Boston in New York for the next five years. So I was in the institutional side of the market at first, and that gave me a vision of what goes on in from the quote-unquote big boys. I know you did an interview with uh, Scott Barkley from Proact Trading, and he talks about understanding what the big boys are doing. So he got his inside information from you. He talked to you and figured that out. You know, Scott and I are good friends. I love him to death. I love his wife to death as well, Karen. And we've had a lot of good time together. And he and I sort of speak the same language. So it's uh, very interesting from that perspective. My next bucket took me into the, after Credit Suisse First Boston, we'll go into how that started and ended or whatever, but I started to work in the retail Forex market. And this is where I really started to understand the Forex market trading much more closely, or followed much more closely. And I started FXDD on day one of the firm. We helped to build the firm up to start it up. And you know that included everything from doing the initial websites to customer agreements, all this, that, and the other. So it was a true startup of the business and then transitioned into or had to work in the trading side. So at FXDD, through the first part of my career there, I was on the risk management side is what we call it. That's where all the trades are coming in from the retail traders, and we would manage the risk of the firm from those positions. And some of it would be offset straight line, straight through processing. Others, it would go into a position and we manage it. This, that, and the other can tell you all sorts of stories about what kind of happens there from that perspective. But through that, I was able to see how retail traders, what they do right and what they do wrong. And it was an eye-opening thing because prior to that, I was making my own decisions. I was, it was me. It was only me. And now I got to see what other people do. And as you know, a lot of people lose money in the retail foreign exchange market. And there are certain reasons why they do it. I was able to understand why that happens. And it sort of progressed into you know, my book, Attacking Currency Trends and so on and so forth. And then I really wanted to make the final transition, the final twist of my career until when I finally go off into the sunset in 
teaching traders and what they do right, what they do wrong, how to trade it, if you will. I see right behind you. Yeah. And how to do it through things like Twitter. I noticed, you know, I went on Twitter and I looked at when I started to prepare for this and it's April 2009. You started January 2009, Casey, and I remember meeting you online, you know, during those early years of Twitter, Twitter, and, you know, it started a progression of how to reach traders. FXDD transitioned to me into becoming the voice and the face of their firm. And finally, I moved into ForexLive.com where I've been doing the same thing that I really ended my career at, at FXDD. So I went from institutional, I have an understanding of what they do. I was in the London Forex trading room right there as well, but I was trading interest rates to retail trading, understanding what retail traders do right, what they do wrong, trading the market for the firm's perspective, and then into the education side. And that's sort of my interesting story, which not a lot of people have that sort of background, that full background to build on. I think that's really interesting. So there's a lot of questions I could ask you, and we obviously can't talk forever, but I wanted to kind of hammer out some important ones that I think. And so what is the biggest difference between the institutional side and the retail side? All right. The institutional side are those big boys. They are the ones that move the markets, okay? They are the ones that are going to push the market either to the upside or the downside. We as retail traders, I don't care how big you are as a retail trader, you're not going to move the market one pip. You are literally at the whim of the volume. So people may think that's a good thing. People may think that's a bad thing. Most people think it's a bad thing of retail traders. They want to be in control. They want, but you have to take yourself out of that control seat. And the first thing you need to do is understand that you are a follower. You are not a leader. You cannot move the market one pip. And so you have to put yourself in the seat of the institutional trader. Understand what they're thinking. Understand what it means when the price hits a moving average or a trend line and what they are thinking and why they are doing that. And you become the barnacle on the back of a whale, okay? And that's what you have to think of yourself as, is that little, that thing that's going to just cling to the whale and ride through and collect your whatever you do when they eat and you eat or whatever, and you become that. And it's a humbling experience to get to that point because we all want to be in control. We all want to talk the book and talk how you're doing this, but really you are just the slave to that whale. Okay. You are just on his back. You're just following along with him. And if you understand that concept, that difference between institutional and retail, you build off of that and you try to you know, find the ways where you can understand what they are doing and then just follow it. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. 
Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. So let's talk about them trading. Institutional traders, how do institutional trades? I mean, there's so many different institutions. You said you were at Citigroup and there's so many big ones. Are they all trading the same? You know, they might move the markets, but they're competing against each other. So you don't really know like one big boy wants it this way. The other one wants it that way. How do they actually trade from your experience? Like what are they doing? From my experience, they are focused on risk. They want to control the risk. They want to get in the market at the best possible price. Sometimes they also have the advantage of having the volume come into them. If customers have come in and they have the volume come into them and they have allows them to push through resistance or support levels and you see that in the markets and you see that in the charts. But their focus is on risk. And you can see it in the price action on the charts or you see it when the market breaks out, but they are focused on the risk side of it. And that's what I try to focus on as a retail trader. And it's, there's only really one way to do it is to focus on the risk levels. So how do you define your risk? And to me, it comes from uh, technical levels, technical levels that are used by many that define and limit risk and are universally accepted, kind of used by many, sort of you know, says the same thing. But the focus, if a lot of people follow a technical tool that defines risk that is easily seen, that gives a bullish or bearish bias, it tells you a lot at that point what should happen. And so it gets down to then finding the tools that will tell you that. And from my experience and from, you know, just put it in a simple term, if you're watching CNBC, they speak 90 some odd percent on fundamentals. Okay. Would you agree with that? You know, they're, they're talking about the story. They're talking about very rarely do you, they say anything about technical levels or technical trading at all. But if they do, they will talk about 100-bar moving average, 100-day moving average, 200-day moving average. That's to start with, okay? So that was like, well, okay. A light bulb went off in my head and is, I'm going to start following the 100 and 200-day moving average. In stocks, they'll look at the 50-bar moving average as well because stocks tend to trend. I don't necessarily want to get into that discussion, but they look at a shorter-term one. But if you watch CNBC and they talk, if someone mentions a technical level, it's going to be a 100 or 200 bar moving average. They might talk about the death cross with the 50 going over the 100 or 200 or whatever it is, or you know something like that. But that's it. And the other thing that is easily seen by institutional traders and define risk and limit risk and give good points where they can come in with big amounts of money and lean against the level is a trend line. Trend lines can be drawn. They are consistent. A lot of people see it. They'll lean against that. And that word lean is sort of important in my vocabulary because it, when you lean against, people have a, a feeling of leaning. And that's what more happens in the markets and the institutional traders try to lean against that level. Now, the fact that they have institutional traders trading against each other is an interesting point, and it sort of leads to sort of the breakouts, okay? So imagine that you have two traders, one Citibank, the other one in my time was like Deutsche Bank, or it might be JP Morgan or something like that. And you come up to a key technical level, doesn't even matter what it is, whether it's a 100-day moving average or a trend line or whatever. So you may have one trader who's leaning against it, it's coming up to it and leaning against it from a sell side, 
And you may have another trader who knows it's there, but then gets an order coming into their desk opposed to the other player. And that order is to buy and they push it through and then add on to that buying momentum and overtake the seller who's just doesn't have that order. And that's where you get the breaks. And that's where you get the other guy who sold is now looking to buy as well because they say, uh-oh, the traders didn't lean against that level. My competitors didn't lean against that level. I see JP Morgan coming into the market and buying it up and I see the volume coming in and I'm going to jump on that as well. And that's how they think. And that's how that the problem of one versus the other and trying to square what's going to happen and what actually happens in a trading market that kind of works its way out. So it's very interesting. It's almost like this what we see on the retail side, it's just happening on an institutional side. It's almost the exact same thing, just on a much bigger scale. And the retail traders need to figure out what's going on and try to follow that rather than try to make something happen. The difference, you know, I do give the institutional traders, they have more knowledge, they have more information, they have better tools, better and, research, all that. And they see the volumes, okay? They see the volumes from the customers out there, the institutional customers who come into their desk and push the market. So they see it. Retail traders don't have any of that. They're blind to it. The problem with the retail traders and most early retail traders, why traders come and go is they think that they can control the market. They can't. They're just, you know, the barnacle on the back of a whale. It's human nature to want to think that you know more than the other person. So you may have a fundamental bias that says, you know, it's going higher, it's going lower. And that gets in the way in that you're thinking more about reward than you are about risk. And so, you know, the pound's going lower because Brexit and the pound squeezes up to highest level in 2018 or something like that. So you don't pay attention to the price action, kind of put your ego in front of it and you end up uh, hurting yourself in that way. So it's really the ego thing that a lot of retail traders get in trouble with. They don't focus enough on risk. They focus too much on reward, on the carrot that's dangling in front of them, on the story that's going to get them there. And they don't pay attention to the price action that's telling them a totally different story. So they get in trouble. And then they can't attack the trends or stay on the trends, which is another problem. Introducing the Finance and Markets Newsletter, a unique type of newsletter designed to inspire you to make sound financial decisions. Stories of successful people who overcame tremendous struggles will impress and motivate you to never give up on your financial and personal lives. Sign up today and get the inspiration you need. Go to the link in this episode's description to subscribe. Now, I'm just looking at one of your charts right now, just trying to get an idea of some of your language, how you communicate and how it can benefit traders. So looking at the most recent one that I saw from this morning, you were saying that the pound crossed above the 100 moving average, right? And you said that it's now above the 100 and you said that the close risk is above the MA level. So when I first see that, I'm like, close risk above MA, what does that mean? Break that down. What is the close risk? Is it you're using moving average as a stop loss type thing? Well, the thing about C-L-O-S-E is it could be close risk or close risk. It's kind of like my name, Michael Oski, you know, so (laughs) they're spelled the same, but think of it in terms of close risk is now the hundred hour moving average, stay above it, keeps the buyers more in control. But along the same lines, it is also your close level as well. If the price stays above it, 
then fine. If the price is below it, then that's your stop. Or if there's momentum below that level, that's your stop. You know, markets, there was a reason why before the break above that 100-hour moving average today, and we don't need to see it, but just imagine your mind that the price was banging against, they're leaning against the 100-hour moving average it goes up, and then suddenly it breaks above that level. Something happened there. You don't even need to know the story. All we need to right. know is that it tested that one, two, three different times this morning on hourly bars, and that broke above it. So now what was that once resistance now becomes support. And if there is a reason for it to go through that, my reason is that something happened at the big boys that caused the price to move above that level. Me as a retail trader have to now put our, my ego aside, put everything about Brexit and all that story that goes along with that aside, and then say, well, the bias turned from bearish to bullish above that line. And it's as simple as that. I call those lines border lines, okay? And it comes back to a, when I was younger, and I know you have nine children. I'm one of seven. So you and I have this idea of like large families and jumping in the vans or jumping in the station wagons at that time. And once a year, we go from New Jersey into New York, and we cross through the Lincoln Tunnel, and we get to the New York-New Jersey borderline. And it was such a thrill for us as kids, you know, as your kids, like, where's the line, mom? Where's the line? You know, when are we going to go through? And you see New York over here and New Jersey over there. And that became the borderline. And at one side, you're in New York, one side, you're in New Jersey. A moving average line, a trend line is a borderline. It is the same thing. And it gets me excited. It brings me back to my childhood of crossing over that line and going into another state. And, you know, for that special going to see the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center or something like that. And so you should have that same feeling in your trading. That is a change in bias. That tells you, are the buyers in control or the sellers in control? And if you can have, if that level or those levels can, you can have a moving average or a trend line coming at that same line or the 50% retracement level, or I just use three tools, but if you can get in your mind that there's a lot of reasons why that is important to not just me, but lots of traders out there who are looking at that same chart, you can understand why it did what it did. Right. And then when it's a clear evidence that they're in control, right. you got to be with the people that are control. And I just think about your story about the border, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great analogy. And I mean, it's powerful, you know, it's very powerful and it has an impact in the markets. even like the line, like, you know, battle or something, right? The enemy is advancing. They're trying to take them out. And then finally they break through that line and then the enemy's defenses are gone. They just <laughs> annihilated the line. And there's a big advancement until the enemy goes back and regroups. And then they have another, they're going to set up shops somewhere else. Exactly. And I use that visual as well in a lot of things that I write. Because eventually you're going to get to, so you break through that line and you advance against the enemy. And the enemy is going to retreat to the point where they're going to have other infantry troops or whatever that are going to join them. And there's going to be another battle at another borderline. There's a 100-hour moving average borderline, and then there's the swing area around the 135.52 area becomes the next target and the next area where there's going to be another battle. And so that's what trading's about. It's about you know taking those steps. You have an entry, breaking above the moving average is a clear entry. The bias turned from negative to positive. Then you have a target, which goes to the next really technical level my mind that where buyers and sellers should line up again and have another battle. And depending upon the strength of that trend in attacking that currency trend, you want to see 
the price to stay above the 100-hour moving average. That's step number one. If it goes below, then something else is up. If it stays above that level, let it go. And then look ahead. You want to look ahead and look for the next target, get through that target. And then what was once you know the 100-hour moving average now becomes a trend line or a remembered line or a swing area that now becomes the next support. And you manage that trend. You attack that trend in that mindset in that way. Yeah, that's really good. And just that the way we described it, the way you described it, helps traders kind of get a picture of it. You know, when traders, we're looking at stuff on chart, it's all visual, but to kind of unpack an idea and to go a little deeper is really helpful. So I think this has been really helpful. And so speaking of unpacking some ideas, I want to share something with you that I heard the other day that really impacted me. It applies to what we're talking about, especially because, you know, you went through those different things and now you're in the education and I think you're really trying to help the retail guy get ahead to get a chance. So what I heard, it was a quote that said that knowledge is valuable, but special knowledge is priceless. And I'm thinking of, so when I heard that and then you're talking, I'm like, hmm, these big boys, they can see orders, right? They know where the orders is. That's hidden knowledge. They can see the volume. They can see the levels. They have extra equipment. They've got extra training. They have the special knowledge, which is priceless, whereas the retail trader is kind of at a big disadvantage. And so with that being said, how does the retail trader survive without special knowledge or is there a way they can get their own special knowledge? They get it by putting their ego aside and listening to what and just putting faith in life. I think that you know faith is important to give you peace. It gives you something to move forward toward. And the same goes true in trading. You know, you have to put your faith in something. And in a retail trader, yes, you don't have this special knowledge. You don't have this knowledge of what the big boys are doing, what they're thinking, what their flows are, all that other stuff. You just don't have it. So you can't think that you're going to tell the market what to do. You have to listen to the market. You have to listen to what they are doing. And the perfect thing to do is watch the price action and apply tools to that price action that's going to tell you bullish above, bearish below, those borderlines, those New York, New Jersey places, and understand the idea of the battle and the targets that become another borderline. And once you open yourself up to accepting that, then you have the special sauce. You have their special knowledge in a roundabout way. That's the only thing. You know, the, so many retail traders bang their head against the wall because they want to tell the market what to do. And the fact is, they just have to become a follower. They just have to have faith in those guys and what they're doing in the price action. And if they'd start to believe that, if they start to dissect a chart, and I get up every morning. I live in Arizona here, get up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, I put on my chart. And as long as I know the tools I'm using, the lines I draw, I can analyze any chart. And believe it or not, you can look at any instrument and there's going to be traders out there who are going to get concerned about risk. And they're the ones who are going to move the market. And they're the ones that are going to sit there and lean against 100 bar moving average. A lot of times, a lot of times, it's not 100%. There's nothing other 100%. But the special sauce, the special that you speak of, is really trying to dissect and understand how I can gain their specialties, what they see in the market that you can't see, but there is a proxy for it. And you know, I think you can do that in a lot of things in life. Trading is a microcosm of life, and, and there are things that you don't know, but there are ways that you can get around it and see, so you get have a clearer vision of it. 
And a lot of times it's just putting your ego aside, trying not to tell your story or what you think. One of the things that is sort of nuggets of information that I try to give retail traders that if you start saying to yourself, I think this, I think that or whatever, you know, I think this or I think that, try to reel that in. Try to not be so selfish about what you think. Instead, think in terms of what those people are thinking, okay, and how I can more think like them. And it's really hard because we all want to sound smart. I mean, the thing I like to say, you know, we're in the Christmas season, although we're not going anywhere because of COVID or whatever, but you go to, you know, holiday parties and people say, what do you do, Greg? Well, I'm currency analyst or I trade for Citibank or I was, you know, work for a Forex broker and I manage risk and do all this, you know, trading thing. And they, and they immediately ask like, well, what do you think of the market? What do you think of this and the other? Right. And in a lot of respects, you know, I then say, you know, well, if the price goes above the 100-hour moving average, then or a hundred day moving average and more bullish. And I wouldn't be invited to that party again because it would go way over their head and they want to know the story. <laughs> they want to know the story. Right. Why? Because that's more sexy. And that's what you read in the Wall Street Journal. That's what you read in the other newspapers. That's what you read. That's that you hear on the- talk about moving averages. On <laughs> I know that, you know, so I'm going to be the most boring guy at the party, but I know that. And so then I try to, you know, kind of tell my little stories about, well, what I try to do is try to put my ego aside and just try to lean. So I'm leaning against this wall. Think of it as a, you know, and I try to tell that story about leaning and they understand it more and they, it kind of ends up like, oh, wow, you really taught me something new. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's pretty good. So we're getting ready to close out. A couple last things is your book, Attacking Currency Trends. Would you recommend check that out? I would just recommend that people go ahead and get it because I had a lot of things I wanted to ask you we didn't have time for. Right. So you're going to have to go get Greg's book, get <laughs> that extra information and some of his techniques in there, technical analysis stuff, trading plan things. But who would you really recommend jump in and grab that? Oh, any retail trader out there, whether you're doing, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be Forex traders. I mean, it is attacking currency trends and that's my focus, but this is going to be applied to stocks. It can be, you know, the same dynamics can be applied to stocks. And the first half of the book is focused on, you know, just to give your your listeners an idea, is there's not a chart in the first half of the book, or if there is, there's just a few of them. It's focused on, so you want to be a trader, okay? Well, what are the attributes of a successful trader? Let's face it, not everyone has a skill or aptitude. You have to have, you know, time, you have to have a plan, you have to be able to control fear, this, that, and the other. And then, so that's a building block. Then we get into normal things that you do in building a business. What is your mission statement? You know, from a mission statement, that's a broad thing. You need a game plan of how you're going to succeed in your mission statement. So my mission statement is to make the most amount of money with the least amount of risk. How are you going to do that? You're going to trade trends. Trends are where the most money is made and lost in the market. And you're going to keep your fear to a minimum. So now we introduce it thing called fear. And so now you get into the rules of training. If you have a game plan, think of a game, you have rules to the game. So now you have your rules for your trading. And I go through those rules. And that sort of builds the foundation, Casey, of every trader out there. Whether you're trading currencies or you're trading stocks or you're trading commodities or you're, you have an IRA or anything where you have risk in the markets, you can apply that foundation. You need that foundation. If you don't have that foundation, you are just swinging around left, right, and center without a plan, without a rudder, your boat is going all over the place. So then the second half kind of gets into a little bit more of the technicals. And, and you know, although I speak, technicals may scare people, 
I'm just talking about moving averages and just talking about trend lines. If there's something a little bit more scary, it might be Fibonacci retracements, but even that I try to put it in a very simple way. So I would recommend it to anyone who has that interest in understanding a little bit about the markets and how to analyze the market, understand about risk and this, that, and the other. Have you changed any of your techniques or approaches since you wrote that book? Not one bit. So that is really good to know because that means it can stand the test of time. Not that it's old. It was written in 2011, but still to, things are always, nowadays things change so fast. It is sort of Groundhog Day for me every day at Forex Live. I write about the markets in the same way that I did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that and the week before that and the year before that and this and the other. And there isn't a thing that I change. And it's all based on the book, on analyzing risk, on defining the bias, bullish repairs, and going from there. People ask me, are you going to write another book? And I was like, I hesitate in saying like equating it to quote unquote the Bible or whatever. I wanted my book to stand the test of time. And it came at the right time when someone asked me, you know, the people at Wiley Publishing asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, put together a plan. And, you know, next day I had it all there and they're like, let's go. And I was reading it again and now I read my own book, but in preparation for this, not that I live it, but I think it's good for everybody. I don't, you know, I don't want to get too deep, but a lot of things that go into trading, like I said, trading and life, they kind of parallel things. There's a lot of things like in life, there's a lot of things about fear. There's a lot of things about risks. There's a lot of things about, you know, I talk about defining risk, limiting risk, accepting your risk. And the last part, accepting a risk goes hand in hand with fear. You know, if you can't accept your risk, then you're going to have too much fear. And when you have too much fear, do stupid things. And you, you can apply that to what's going on in the world with the coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. You know? doesn't take you long to see the parallels between life and trading. Trading is a microcosm of how people react, how people do things right, how they do these things wrong. And so I find it helps me in my, in my life as well. So you just have to have the open mind to be able to see these things. You know, sometimes it's right in front of you and you can't see it. And someone has to sit there and tell you that it's the New York, New Jersey border. It's great, Casey, you know, and now that's ingrained in your mind. You I can see the line coming down the middle of your face, through your nose, through your mouth, through your beard. I mean, it just dissects your left and right side of who you are as a person. And the same thing goes true in trading and how it's a bullish or bearish. Well, that was good. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I will have the links for everything. For the Forex Live, for the <laughs> Twitter account, Forex Live Twitter, your book. So if everybody's listening, just go follow Greg on Twitter. Check out Forex Live, grab his book. That's where the special knowledge comes from. Right. It's yeah. Yourself, you know, like I look at myself, you know, you talk about the foundation. Your book has that foundation. The more that you feed, the deeper your roots are going to go. The ego thing, I try to keep a low ego, but I also consider myself a deep well. And that's because I'm always diving in deep for more information. So go in, dig that well deep and get these resources. And thanks so much, Greg, for being on the show. Can I make one offer to your listeners? I have about 20 books that are sitting in my cabinet over here that I think the Amazon price I went on was in the United States was about $43 for you know, the first 20 books to whomever for $35. And I'll include the shipping and all that other stuff. But I have to do it in the United States only. It gets a little bit more expensive. Will there be a special link or we have to send you an email or how will we do that? Yeah, send me. There's a couple of ways. One, you can go to my Twitter account and direct message me. So it's Greg Mike FX and message me and I'll get back to you and we'll Venmo or do something like that and I'll send it out to you and get in touch. Alternatively, you can send me an email 
you'll provide that. You know, there's two emails, greg at 4xlive.com or greg Michaloski. It might be harder for, for him to get that. But if you include it in the thing, then yeah, greg Michaloski at Gmail is my personal account. And we'll be in touch we'll, that we'll way. It if that's how you want to do it. But that's a great offer. And I thank you for extending that to our listeners. Yeah, it'll be a good Christmas present for somebody. Yeah, Maybe your stuff. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks for listening. And until the next episode of the How to Trade podcast, see you soon. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.